welcome to the GNT Show. All right, welcome everyone to another GNT Show where once again I am joined by my co-host with the most, a man. Well, actually, before I introduce you, G, we should apologise for once again missing around and we've now moved on to a fortnightly schedule, but life has been busy. A man, crazy. a co-host who, who in the last fortnight has had an incredibly busy fortnight, first costing our over-45s football team a match without even playing and secondly, <laughs> being admitted into hospital because of a weeping wound. G. How are you going, T? I'm good. I'm good. It's great to see that I've left a legacy on the football field. Oh, it's it's just people are dirty, <laughs> given how much you've cheated. They are very dirty about how you've gone. Um, so I, I'm good. How are you? How are you? I'm good. We're getting ready to go to the semi. The semis are coming up soon, so I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit of ex- a little bit excited. And to be honest, the footy's actually been pretty good. There's five weeks to go, so that naturally means that we'll get at least one pot in between now and then. <laughs> That's right. The, the grand final preview. <laughs> All right. So. Look, let's start off with a fortnight's worth of news. There's been heaps of oh, news, God. but it's really been... I want to start with the news that has actually dominated the headlines the yep. last week and a half. Yes. And that is the Manly Pride jersey furor. The Manly don't do the jerseys very well, do they? They've had a Pride jersey furor. Their Indigenous jersey had a strip of blue underneath. Mate, it's, look, I, I found this whole thing ridiculous. And those people, you've got commentators coming out going, leave politics out of it. It's not politics, it's human rights. Nowhere in their religious book does it say don't wear rainbow colours. <laughs> no one's no one's asking them to adopt the lifestyle. It's just to support those that are marginalised in our communities. And a few people have come out and said, well, if they said they didn't want to wear the Indigenous jerseys because they didn't think those people should be allowed to play, then there'd be an absolute uproar in society. I am so glad Trent Robinson came out hard on this. The Roosters players and some of the Saints players came out hard on this. Um, Aquaman down at the Sharks, Toby Rudolph, was really strong on this as well, just supporting a disadvantaged community and an inclusive game. I actually, I'm going really hard at this, I think it's disgraceful what the what the Manly players have done, and they've taken issue away from what we need to be talking about. And, and, and my other point here is, yes, Manly handled this poorly, yes, the players should have been consulted, but at the end of the day, just wear the bloody jersey. They specif- specifically talked about it being for diversity and inclusion, so that's that's for everybody, right? That's everyone. All minorities of all sorts, you know. I think that's the whole concept of it. And it's really important to sort of bring that home. And that includes the players who at times you can say despite dominating the percentage in terms of um, player-wise from as in people from Pacific Islander backgrounds, you can say in some instances they're actually underrepresented within football. So in a way, they're a minority in things like head office positions and all that kind of thing too. So it does work the other way around. I mean, for me, the irony is, like you say, you have your beliefs. It's really a human rights. It's just about treating everybody in an inclusive manner. Everyone's welcome. Well, I mean, what is the issue with that statement? They they were they wear they wear betting That's sponsors. That's the thing. They wear a betting jersey. sponsor and they spont- they play at Four Pines Park, which. He's an alcoholic company. It's sort of ironic that the thing they're taking a stand on is, hey, let's make this game more inclusive, and the jersey has a few colours. PVL came out and he, he got torched. I mean, he, he he was strong, but he wasn't strong. I mean, he did it in... He supported the Manly players and then came out in the next breath and said, the NRL's considering a Pride round next year. They should do a Pride round after this furor. Disappointed in the game's leadership. Andrew Abdo was not quoted on this. I'm disappointed in the position the game took on this. It's nearly done me with this sp- 
sport. They tried to hedge their bet, right? They're trying to hedge their they bets. They tried to hedge their bets. Absolutely. And they're, they're, they're pandering and catering for this News Corp right wing. People describing it as a politics and sports should politics. be out of it. No, it's, it's, it's not politics. politics at all. Do people need a definition of what politics is? So that would have been a Sharks with the sponsor Vote One ScoMo on their jersey a couple of weeks ago. Online, allegedly, there's a gay lower grader coming through the junior ranks at Manly that's now reconsidering his future in the game. Here's the other thing I wanted to talk to you about. Toby Rudolph sort of come out and said he's, I think the term would be pansexual um, in terms of loving the person, regardless, irrespective of gender. But Ian Roberts is still the only guy that's come out, and he did that 25 years ago. Like, to me, that sort of speaks volumes, right? Like, surely there's more gay footballers in the last 25 years than just Ian Roberts. And what about the stereotype of old gay players, right? Ian Roberts was the toughest guy on the football field. So oh yeah totally yeah toughest, toughest player I've seen Les Davidson Les Davidson and Ian Roberts were the two toughest people I've seen on a footy See, field. Here's the other thing too, T. Right, it's an inclusive game. But I mean, how would you feel if you're Ian Roberts? You gave up your body and well, by all accounts, he was he was devastated by it. And it's his club. It's his club. It's his club, yeah. right? Like, how would he feel about it? And well, but 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 Manly, the hypocrisy of this, where they come out and they go, rainbow colour jerseys, not doing anything, not harming anyone. That they've got a prop. They they don't, they've got a problem with. But their teammate, who's in court for an alleged incident, that's and you can Google it yourselves. We don't want to get into legal trouble here for an alleged incident that, if proven true, is quite bad. Yes. No, no one ever looks at their own backyard, right? And they're not—they're not doing anything about that. They're not saying anything about violence or anything like that, or drinking and violence or anything like that. No. I just think this was so poorly handled by everybody. Everybody, players. I think the clubs, Manly, Fox, Fox Sports, and News Corp, starting to make the players the victim. I, I completely disagreed with. I, I, I was absolutely devastated by the way the game handled this. I thought it was so poor. I do think that Manly should have spoken to the players and said, hey, we're thinking of wearing a, a, a rainbow jersey, for example, and just got in their input. But other than that, I mean, is it really that big a deal? Like, you can still have your beliefs, whatever they are, or misguided they are, or whatever they are. Gee, it's colours on a jersey. This is it's what not... I mean. It's colours on a jersey, and is that really something that you take a stand on? And the thing is, the stand is actually about inclusivity. So... What are you actually protesting, really? It's farcical, to be honest. And I don't understand that once Mandy got wind of this, why wouldn't you bring in Ian Roberts and get Ian Roberts? He's one of your former legends. Why wouldn't you get him to come and talk to the players and say, hey, this is what that means. This is what I've been through. I've been in your position. I've been on the footy field. This is the thing. Like, surely that would enlighten them somewhat in terms of seeing another perspective too. I mean, they've got a fellow legend that's gone through, honestly, probably gone through a bit of hell, poor Ian Roberts. Like, and this happens. I mean, Manly, everyone, I agree with you, everyone just handled it in a really poor manner. It's all well and good to have all these different jerseys and things like this, but but if you want to be in, at some point, the, the actions have got to match the words. There's symbols, T, and then there's actions that actually mean something. And you know what I loved? I loved what Benny Elias said, and I love what Trent Robinson said. And he said, Maybe there's not a place for in the game for these seven. Tough statement, right? But fair enough. If, that, if that's what the sport stands for, may, maybe there's not a place in there. If you picked on another marginalised member of society, poor or the disadvantaged or rural communities, you know, Aboriginal communities in the country, those types of things. The no, no, tar, no tar jersey. Could you imagine the backlash against it? I would imagine it would be. It's just one of these things that's topical. You know, in all the issues that are happening in Australia at the moment, 
someone in that electorate ran on the transgender issues. It's a it's a um, lightning rod to create a misguided debate and to pull on people's emotions, regardless of whatever it is. It's just it's kind of it's it's bullshit. I agree. I agree. It is bullshit. You know, being from a minority group as well, like you know, imagine going there and people saying, "Oh, we don't want any black people to attend the games," for example. I mean, how is it different? The league needs to handle this better, and I think they've got resources there to you know. Um, you know, and people too. coming out having a go at the club. The club can be criticised for to a point, to not a point. consulting the players, yes. not consulting the players. But that's as far as the criticism on Manly should go. I it's agree. not a Manly issue. Manly's trying manly to do issue. the right thing. I thought Manly did okay. Like I said, the only other issue I would have is if they didn't. You know, they should have used Ian Roberts. He's their guy, and they could have said, "Hey, look, we need you to come in and talk to the players. We've got a bit of an issue here behind the scenes." And hopefully, that would have. Sort of just like you say, give educated people, right? Giving them a different perspective. That's what you want to do. You want to enlighten people, see a different view. But outside of that, I mean, what else could Manly have done? But shit, you had seven players stand down and say, We aren't playing. That's a. <laughs> That's kind of unprecedented. Well, Betty Elias came out and said, because Paul Kent was defending the players and saying, they didn't say they didn't agree with it. And Benny goes, well, what the hell were they saying if they stood down? Of course they, they were saying down. they didn't agree what with it. What do you mean? What, they didn't literally, yeah, didn't literally say they refused to play. And, and they're hiding it behind this woke concept of woke. This has got nothing to do with whether things are woke or not. It's human rights. It's got nothing to do with These people are allowed to get married. Man. They're allowed to, this community, to like, like you've got to treat them as equal. Tough luck. I don't understand. I, I, I think, you know what I think it is? I think it's an issue that people are angry about when really the other issues that they're really angry about are got nothing to do with this. It makes no sense whatsoever. Like you say, like, they're people. We're all people. Like, who cares? I, I, mate, I agree. Mate, I agree. You, you're preaching to the converted. It's a character thing. Is this person a good person or a bad person? It's got nothing to do with their gender, sexuality, race, even religion, whatever. Like, everyone has their own character. It's crazy. There are so many reasons to divide people in this modern age. James Graham said, is this the hill people want to die on? I mean, He's right. It's just like, so really? far... Really? It's, it's, is, this, is this really, really, in this day and age, is this really the issue you want to stick up for and die, the hill you want to die on? I 100% agree. Like, to be honest, I would be more supportive if a lot of the Polynesian players sort of said, you know what, we're stepping down because we don't feel like we get a fair crack at coaching positions or, you know, in the media or anything like that, despite us making up a lot of the players or percentage-wise players of the game. I could understand that point of view, but not this. I mean, you know, you want you – want, Everyone to be welcome to come and watch the game, to watch you perform, to, you know, cheer you on. Like, I don't know. I just think it's fucking crazy. It really is. It's just... I do too. I mean, what else can you say, T? Like, out of all the stuff that's happened in the last probably 20, 30 years that we've followed rugby league, this is the thing that people refuse to play about. Unbelievable. It's it's actually the most disappointing. For me, for me, I just think I'm nearly done. Gee, I've got to be honest with you. I'm nearly done. I love the sport, but I'm but I'm nearly done. That it's just such a dinosaur mentality. It is absolutely agree. I mean, yeah, like I said, it's just about inclusiveness. Everyone wants to watch the game. You know, let people love the game. If they love the game, just, what the fuck? Anyway, I think it's hopefully they sort this out next year. And a pride round itself is not going to do it. No, but I think I think after the issue they've created this year, they absolutely should do a pride round. I agree. Yes. Because 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 they've handled it so badly and they didn't go far enough this round, they should do it next next year. Yeah, to try and make up for it. Yeah, absolutely. And and have Ian Roberts and ha- do 100%. all sorts of stuff. 
There's a lot of there's a lot of NRL women's players come out as gay. Well, there you go. You've already got players in the sport. You know, use them. Use them as spokespeople. Like, oh well, far out. What a crazy situation. Let's move on to another crazy situation. And I'm and and PVL's disappointed me a lot over the last two years. He disappointed me in this time as well. So let's let's move on to another yeah. crazy situation. Um, Lee Hadjipantelis. <laughs> of course, is, is he? I want to ask you: Are he and Peter Valandis from the same island in Greece? Because they seem to be have the same crazy characteristics. Does any other chairman get quoted as much as Lee <laughs> no. does? So no. after the Tigers controversially got robbed, and they did get robbed they against the Cowboys robbed. with that, that call was at a, the end. That was bullshit. He was on every radio station, every newspaper, every TV station saying the Tigers are going to sue for the result. Now, All right, Lee, Lee okay. this might be why your club's in trouble. Jeez. Yes, you got robbed. But what happens on the field stays on the field, mate. You've got to cop it on the chin. This I'm going to take it to the Supreme Court shit is ridiculous. Let's just say he's a little bit um, emotional with the boardroom. That's probably why the Tigers have been all over the place. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I just, I mean we're going to cover it off in the Cowboys versus Tigers. The rationally but, irrational, but, um, T. The rationally irrational. Just, just but what, okay, I'm an irrational supporter as well, but... Only when it comes to para. You're actually pretty rational generally, but when it comes to Parramatta, you lose it. Yeah, I lose it for para, but... but <laughs> That's true. It's I actually funny. But I have to say. But he's the. Ch- I'm not the chairman of the Parramatta Football Club. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. I just, he's he's um. You know when you get succession plans, he's uh Peter Valandis is succession plan. I just I just I'm, I'm blown away. <laughs> Wayland Smithers was even, nowhere as well. You couldn't even fucking name any of the other chairmen of the sport except for him. He's unbelievable. Jesus. Anyway. Shall we keep moving? Yes. We've got a lot of news to get yes. through, and we got we got twenty games to get through because of your hospitalised injury. Yeah, hospitalisation. Now, G, if you were a footy player, yes, yeah, and you decided your team's playing, you're out, you're injured, or you haven't been picked, and you go to the going. ground to support yes. your team, you go to support going. your team. Yeah. Is, when is a vape not a vape? <laughs> I need to go have a vape. Now, now, vaping is one thing. Okay, vaping is one thing. <laughs> But filming yourself do it and then posting it on social media. <laughs> no, during the game. I just think, where does this rank in the all-time stupidity stakes? Now he's only got he's only got he's only got a month, two months left of his contract, right? And they've torn it up, Kevin Proctor. But I wouldn't have torn it up for vaping. I would have torn it up for stupidity. In all honesty, I know there's you know in the eighties was crazy for people that are younger. You know society wasn't as regulated and as open as it probably was now. So people used to get up to crazy stuff. But in terms of modern football, this has to be up there with probably the stupidest thing ever. It really does. You know what? You want to vape like all the other off-field incidents. Yeah, they're stupid, but it's kind of like. They're, they're not thinking footy because they're you know it's off season and they get caught doing dumb things like Mitchell Pearce and Rover and stuff like that. But I mean, this is during a game, during the game, <laughs> during a game, and then he, he vapes and then films it and puts it on social media at the same time. I mean, what the hell? You know what? You want to sneak off for a vape, Kevin Proctor? Fine, but to film yourself doing it and posting it—I mean, what was going to happen? Oh, sorry. That was crazy. By the way, it kind of explains the Titans' fitness if they're all vaping, but yeah. I mean, they've got massive problems, right? They've got massive problems. Anyway, all right, let's keep going. Yes. One of the news stories that caught my eye this week 
was Eddie Jones's desire to coach Souths and Jason Dimitri coming out and absolutely slamming him. <laughs> but, but, I missed this. But Are you I love Jason. He actually came yeah, out. Yeah, because yeah, it, it came about from a rugby union story that the ARU was trying to get Eddie back after his stint at the World Cup finishes next year with England as a director of football. And he said he's, he had no interest in coming back. But then Danny Weedler and a few other people doorstopped him and asked him because he's been he's been a lifelong South supporter. He yeah, grew up, he with the grew up in the area. Down yeah. at La Perouse. Yeah. Um, and and he 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 said he would absolutely his desire is to do the Alan Jones thing and and coach Souths. He wouldn't say no to coaching Souths. Now, for those of you that do follow rugby and rugby league, yeah, Eddie Jones would be an outstanding first grade coach. I actually think he would be. I really do. Because he's open-minded too. Open-minded, technical. Steal stuff from other sports. He's not just in his own zone. He would be an outstanding. I actually think he would be better than Jason Demetriou. And Jason Demetriou came out and he said, that's not the way to approach it. Uh, it's disrespectful, blah, 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 blah. So he absolutely gave it to him. Fair enough. I sort of understand Eddie's response. and I get Jason Demetriou's fuck off. I'm still employed response. I can see both sides. They asked him, and he said, I'd love to do that one day. doesn't mean he's going for his job, but if you're chasing Dimitri, you'd be like, hey, fuck off. Don't start advocating for my job in the background. Correct, correct, correct. So that was that one. So let's, let's, um, you know how Benji's back at the Tigers? Yes, he is, yes. So let's do the Tigers stories now. So Benji, the the player whisperer, they call him. Of course they do. The Tigers are becoming the Bulldogs. Who in the news like every week? So, So Benji has rung up, rung up a few people. He's rung up Isaiah Papali to say to him, mate, we really need you at the club. Come. Okay. Isaiah Papali was non-committal. Okay. And then Benji rang, and then Benji rang James Tedesco and said, we want you back at the club. Okay. Teddy said no. Yes. And then he rang Mitch Moses to say, you're coming off contract. We could really do with you at the club. And Mitch Moses is about to re-sign with Para. So is are we sure Benji is the player whisperer that we think he is? Well, it sounds like he's just whispering to the players that he played with. That's it. I don't think he's whispering to Well, on that else. note. And that's not working either. So On that note, they've got Tim Sheen's coaching next year with, with Benji and Robbie as the assistant coaches. Yes. And this was one of my favourite stories of the last fortnight. Scott Prince was quoted in the newspaper as putting his hand up to offer his services to the Tigers because he said that everyone else from the 2005 team's getting a gig. Why not him? And Scott Prince is right. Why don't they just bring back the whole 18-man squad at this point? Why don't they just bring back everybody from 2005? Is that, is that what he said? Yeah. Oh, that's actually, that's great. It's actually true, but it's great. Oh, you know what? Let's bring back Pat, Patty Richards, Anthony LaFranchi. Yeah, let's bring them all they back. Could, Why not? Bring them all Brent back. Bring, bring the whole team back. So there's been a lot of noise from the... Uh, Tigers about now the Tigers are trying to for those of you that don't know how the salary cap works if you release a player before the end of their contract or the end of the year to another club the money you save off the salary cap because the other club's paying the remainder of his salary for that year can be used to prepay some of next year's salary cap so it effectively gives you more to spend next year in your cap. I think that's the bit sometimes T that people miss or they don't really talk about that when they're talking about these loan loan deals. There's a cap on it. There's a cap on it. So you can't you can't just loan out your whole team. I think I, from memory, I think it was about half a million is the maximum yep. you can do. But don't quote me on that. But anyway, so the Tigers have, as a result, because the Storm with Ryan Pappenheisen's injury, you know, are, are short of players now, and they've chased Reese Walsh, which yes. the, which which the Warriors said no to. They gave a query to Josh Adokar, 
as well. Yes, they did. And Phil Gould said no. No. Phil Gould's reason for saying no was there's kids with Josh Adokar's name on the back of their jersey, and how would they feel about that? I think the real reason is he doesn't want to release them to a professional club like the Melbourne Storm to see how they're actually run. <laughs> he probably doesn't want to release them because he's just like, I'm going to make Well, they'd come back. It's just, it's just, it's a two-month loan. It's a two-month loan. They can play in the finals. So they ended up with David Norfoluma, who's playing with reserve grade at the moment. He's the Tigers record try scorer, but he's playing reserve grade. And Oliver Gildert's the other one who looks like he's going to be released to the Roosters for the rest of the season. So what did you think of this? Now, I'm I'm 50-50 on Norfoluma. He is a defensive liability. I don't see him as a Craig Bellamy type of player. And he was the Storm's fourth or fifth choice. I think the Storm are in a bit of trouble. And I don't think David Norfoluma is going to solve the issue. I think Oliver Gildart to East is a very good move, though. They need outside backs. And he hasn't had a decent run in the West Tigers team yet. Oliver Gildar, if he's not getting a run in the Tigers team, I think he's great depth signing for the Roosters. You know, it just gives them pace and, and a little bit of size. He's not huge, but enough size and has depth if someone gets injured, like a Joey Manu or Momorowski. If you look at it, the Melbourne system is predicated on having fast wingers and a dangerous fullback. And I think that's a lot of the reason why they're struggling. And so they're after an Addo Car, they're after Reese Walsh. They, they need someone that's got speed and can finish. It's, it's actually damaged their attack. And then defensively, obviously, with all the chopping and changing, it's impacting them. But they, they're after these fast wingers because they need it. That's how the system works. They're actually in a Correct. lot of trouble. They're Correct. the most vulnerable they've been in probably six years, seven years. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. And, and we've got a couple of their yeah. games to We've got round 19, round 20, and then the round 21 preview to go. So let's keep going on the player movements. Lachlan Lamb is leaving the Roosters. He's going to join his dad, Adrian Lamb, who's the coach. He used to be the coach of Wigan. He's now the coach at Lee Centurions. I'm pretty sure Lockie Lamb knows what division Lee Centurions play. He would, unless you hope he does. The thing for me, too, is why did someone else pick him up? I don't get it. I don't. I, don't, I, I think Lockie Lamb's got... Potential. Yes. I'm, I'm surprised no one else has taken a punt on him. I mean, they got Brandon Smith coming. So so the other the other rumour is um, Verrills is going to the Titans next year. Um, and they need a hooker, right? Yes. So, so speaking of which, Jacob Little looks like he's going to Saints next year. What's the question Saints are asking themselves that they thought Andrew McCulloch was the problem after letting Cameron McInnes go? And now Jacob Little's the I answer. don't know. I actually like the look of Jake Simpkin, the guy who seems to always get injured whenever he gets a go. It's just a badly run club. So, so I mean, I just think, I just think Saints and like Tigers, that. you can tell, yeah, there's a few teams like that. And, and Newcastle have started floating the idea of moving Bradman Best to the wing to create their own Mike Acevo. What do you think of that? I don't think he'd fit on the wing. I don't know what you think, but to me, he'd what, be just like because a, of his size? I think he's dangerous in the centres because he's got a little bit of footwork and acceleration and power. He, you can't really use that too much on the wing. Um, you can, but what I mean is I don't think it suits his game because he's a bit of a stop-start player, if you know what I mean. Like, he can get the ball and he's explosive off the mark. He's defensively all over the place in the centres. Here's where I struggle with this idea, right? Mm. Bradman Best, by any objective measure, they haven't been able to get his weight down. No. Not to the extent they would have liked to, right? He's a big yes. unit. He's a big guy anyway, yeah. So the so the only reason you're moving him to the wing is to use his size. So you, is, that, is that signalling you've given up on him as a centre because he needs to drop a few? Can he not get the conditioning he needs? T possibly because I, I he's not Marcus Sivo is like a Hulk. He's tall, he's really broad, he's a big guy. Oh, it's like looking into a mirror. It is. Bradman Best doesn't run over people. Like he, he powers past them, but that's not something Sivo Sivo kind of runs and charges through people too. So he's missing that part. So I don't know, I don't think it's a good fit, but it could be what you said, they've given up and it just suits him better because he's they can't get his weight down. Oh, I, I... 
I mean, speaking of coaches, so speaking of Newcastle, Adam O'Brien and Justin Holbrook, surely they've got to be under an enormous amount of pressure. I think they've got to be under pressure. I think Holbrook is a decent coach. I just think it's gone horribly wrong in the Titans in all facets. You can see that there's elements where you can kind of, in the right structures, I think Holbrook would work. The Titans hasn't been it. Their, their recruitment, and I don't know who does the recruitment there. I don't know if it's him or it's a panel. Their fitness or the performance division that was headed by Mal Meninga, that's all gone to shit. You wonder how much that's impacted. They've got strength in numbers, but duplicates in some of their team. Like they've got two or three good fullbacks, but then no good centers. Or no good, you know, like their their team is yep. not yep. Yep. set yep. up correctly. Saying. It's weird. And I, wonder, I don't think that's Holbrook necessarily, but I could be wrong. Um, but under pressure-wise, he'd have to be under pressure, and so would Adam O'Brien. The Knights seem to have reached their peak. That I can't see them improving anymore. Which they, yeah, I think that's right. Well, I think that are, yeah. If you're happy with that, that's okay. But they seem to be way off and now dropping back behind. It was funny. The Titans thought they would win a title, or they had a team that would win two titles before 2030. I'm like, are we looking at the same team here? <laughs> What's the story? Is it is this is that is that like the fan that texted me on the weekend going, if we had Mick Potter since the beginning of the season, we would have been in the eight? Yeah, that's me. I actually think the bottom of those teams have been so average that Potter would have gotten the extra two or three wins that will have us. No, he wouldn't have. You don't think so? No. Okay. Not even close. Not even close. Because those bottom two teams at the moment are the Rabbitohs and the Roosters, and you are nowhere near. Nowhere near the Roosters. Sides. The, nowhere the Roosters near. are a funny team. But the Roosters are eighth. It's a very you, tight. You guys comp. are nowhere near. Yeah, I get it, but but you are nowhere near those teams. No, not at all. And the next two are the Raiders and Sea Eagles. So I don't think I don't think you I don't think you you're, you're a touch below those teams. I think you're better than the Dragons, but I, I don't know that you nudge the eight. I don't I don't think that's I don't think that's realistic. I, I love Canterbury supporters. As soon as there's a glimmer of hope, they're like we're excited. Yeah, we're excited. I think the difference is Potter's putting structures to beat the poor teams, but they're not a good team. If that makes sense. Let's. Let's try and get the rest of this news done quickly. So, so Marty Tapao is off contract at the end of the year, and part of these loan rules, uh, Eels have got a slot left in their thirty-man squad, and they've reached out to Manly to let uh, Marty Tapao to see if Marty Tapao can join them for the rest of the season. So far, Manly have said no, but the deadline is today, the first of August, five p.m. I'm surprised Manly has said no because maybe they see him as or to add that continuous impact off the bench when he comes on. But does Parham really need more props? Well, this was my question about this. I mean, why do we need more middle forwards? Don't we need outside backs? We need outside backs. I think you almost need a dynamic back rower if you can get one, or outside backs. You need a couple of fringe players. I don't think we need a back rower. I don't. We've got enough back rowers. I, I, we, we need we, we, we need some outside backs. Speaking of para, yeah. it looks like Nathan. The rumor is Nathan Brown's going to sign a two-year contract with the Bulldogs, not the Tigers. Not enthused about that. I don't see the point of signing Nathan Brown at all. It's a hell of a salary. It's a salary cap you've got. It's a hell of a salary cap you've got. Well, he's not coming for free, right? This is what I don't understand. And the thing is, we've got some young players that are considered to be possible long-term first graders. We're nowhere near the eight. It is only a rumour. It is only a rumour. It is, but isn't that the time, T, where you give those guys a run and see what they got? We're not a contender. So, you know, a a Jackson Pine. Like, give him a go. Like, let him play a few games. Yeah. He's a good player. He's actually was the Kiwis under-20 captain. So he's highly regarded, but we seem to want to go get Nathan Brown. It's just weird. I don't understand what he'd had, to be honest. I don't think that's a good rumour, and I hope it doesn't happen. But salary cap's obviously not an issue, so. Speaking of salary cap not being an issue, Redcliffe <laughs> have offered Cam Munster. $70 million The richest. 
the richest deal in NRL history, $5 million for four years in terms of a per season basis. Yes, yep. It averages out to be $1.25 million with indexation for the salary cap going up. So no doubt in my mind, Cam Munster's going to sign with Redcliffe. He's signing for... He can't turn that down. He's just waiting for 1st yes, of November, correct. isn't he? correct. I have to be. I mean, T, how can you turn that down? That's a gigantic... And he's getting older, right? That takes you into your sort of twilight years and you're getting paid $1.2 million. He's got to take it. Cam Munster's off to the Redcliffe, it seems. I, I can't wait for him to be announced on a two mil, two ten year contract. Of course, yes. Is there a dynasty restaurant at Redcliffe? No, but they got that pub overlooking the, the pub ground. Over- I'm sure they okay, can each do that. Yeah. He, he gets to work behind the bar, gets free tickets. Yeah, cool. Last two stories. Des yeah. Hasler's contract. Yes. It's up at the end of the year. It only automatically gets renewed if he makes the top eight even though they made a top four position last year. Do you think that's fair on Des? No, I don't. I think it's silly because I understand if Manly as a club wants to aim that high. Like, I think clubs should aim to be... If you look at historically when we had the final five, the fifth or the sixth teams, that top six were always the best teams. In some seasons, a couple of teams were way better, but generally speaking, any of those top five teams were really good sides and had good seasons. So I think what you want to do as a club is aim for that fifth or sixth. Seventh and eighth is kind of like a your season could be average or it might have been, you know, not that great, but you snuck into an expanded semifinals. But to have it automatically renew if you get there or not, that's so dependent and contingent on your players, how old they are, your recruitment, injuries. There's so many variables. Injuries is a big one. Yeah, injuries are the big it. one. But the rest of it, the rest of it's within the coach's control. The rest of it's within the coach's control. I think so. I think it's harsh. all that sort of stuff, yeah. I think it's harsh, but I think they probably maybe say, if we've missed out on the eight, we're going to do a review. This is a way of manly limiting so they don't have to pay coaches out when if it doesn't work out. You think so? Oh, okay. So you're looking at it from the money perspective. Yeah, I'm looking at it. From, okay. Yeah, no, that I, makes well, sense, Everything actually. in rugby league yes. is done from that, yeah. that angle. Okay. Is there a different sport that you're not aware of? Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, when you put it that way, T, okay, that makes sense. All right, last news is Wendell Saylor's been stood down from the Triple M radio coverage because he allegedly has got a few personal issues going on in his life and there's allegedly some rumours that he may not have been in the best condition when he showed up for work one day. My question here isn't necessarily about Wendell, is why are people who commentate on the game making news as if they're in the game? I don't know. That's what I was going to say. We've got newspapers reporting on commentators. Isn't that the salacious gossip that runs rugby league? I mean, we talk about some of this stuff. I think some of the best analysis is done by fans, not the actual people that are actually paid. Certainly to not. Do on, it. Certainly not on this part. No, well, no, that's different. Um, we rate ourselves very highly. It's a it's a great question. I don't. I think that's just part of the gossip rumor mill because that's what the journos write about, like the Phil Rothfields and you know all that kind of stuff. All right, let's move on. We've got two rounds to cover, and then we've got a preview of round 21. The games are getting harder to tip. They are getting harder to tip. I had a shocker this week. So let's move on. Let's do round 19 first with the blockbuster that was on the Thursday night, the Eels versus the Broncos. Um, the Eels were diabolical in this game. Mike Acevo got the scoring off to early, and we, we looked okay. It was at Combank Stadium. We looked okay for the first five minutes. But then just the right edge and the left, the edge defences of the Eels, it just it just went to shit. We conceded four tries yeah. in 22 minutes. Um, and then a, a minute after halftime, Corey Oates went over. And at that point, it was 30 points to 10, 42 minutes into the game. Um, we were never in this after the first five minutes. Um, but and, and, and we were absolutely dominated by Payne Haas, who had an enormous game for the Broncos. He played 65 minutes, 20 hit-ups, 
225 metres, 96 post-contact metres, 29 tackles, um, and nine tackle busts. He was just he was the dominant forward on the field, uh, and he just laid a platform where that the edges just dominated us. Um, um, Gutho's been largely out of form, and I, and I, and I, I look Bailey Simonson. When we lose Bailey Simonson, really doesn't play well. He really is getting targeted down that side. Yep, I thought you guys started okay. Um, well, first five minutes though, right yeah. after that. But then after that, I think Parra used their space well, got Sivo over for a good try, and I thought, you know, this is going to be one of those games where Parra was up. And then I think um, th- there was a great try. Well, we by... should have known. We should have known. They were coming off two wins back-to-back. Well, back, that's, right? that's we also known true. Be, yeah. uh, but I do love some of the soccer skills. I love the soccer skills from Brenko Lee with the little dribble pass to um, Corey Oates to put him over for a try. Uh, but then after that, I think the Eels just struggled to contain the speed and the tempo of the Broncos. I think the Broncos were coming at them. Well, they had it. They, they laid a platform. We got dominated through the in middle, the middle and, and then they were getting them on the first fringe. ten minutes. Well, because because when Para Brad Arthur said this many times, when we're not up for the contact, when we're not That's playing it, we're with an, a shithousery, yeah. we're done. Yeah. You know, if we're not up for the physicality of it, then the the other team and the Broncos are a good side this year. They get a roll on, and then they've got so much speed out wide, right? Which we don't have. Yes, I, and I think that's pretty much what happened. I think they came at you through the middle and attacked you, and then they came at you with depth and speed, and they just literally tore you apart on the fringe and on the flanks. And I just still thought that, you know, I, I mean, I know that um, Penasini got Sinbin, but I mean, it was already over by then. I thought twenty-four-four. But in fairness to Paramate, I thought they came back when they started to play a bit of razzle-dazzle footy as catch-up footy that was sticking. And, you know, they had that try disallowed that could have made it 30-20. to 20. And I didn't think they were going to win, but at least it gave them a – once that got disallowed, I think it just petered out the game and it, that's it. And then the Broncos ended up um, comfortably holding them out. So they, they had a bright period for a little bit, but really it was all Broncos. Disappointing performance in a fairly big game for Para. That's right. And I'll tell you another disappointing performance on the Friday was <laughs> yeah. Manly. Uh, and they, they played the Dragons at Netstrata down at Cogra. Uh, and Man, Manly lost 20-6. to six. Um, Ben Hunt was absolutely superb in this game. He, he scored two tries in the first half and Amone looked at home in the number six jersey as well. Um, and, and their halves really dominate. Although I, I do think DC, DC has been, his kicking game this year has been so, so good. And, and really, I, look, I didn't think... It was a tough game, but I didn't think Manly were ever in this game. That's an interesting comment you made because I thought the same thing. It was close, but I always felt the Dragons were always on top. But Ben Hunt came up with the big plays to get them the points they needed to stay ahead. The conditions, I think, helped the Dragons in that that was one of those Fridays where it was you know pouring rain. And I think that slowed Manly's attack down a little bit and enough for the Dragons' defence to hold them. But then- it was 14-0. It was 14-0 at halftime. And then they, Aloha got a try after the break, and which Ruben Garrett converted, made it fourteen six, and it was fourteen six until right at the, right death at the end when, when, yeah, Fagai got the goal, uh, the try. Um, but even though, like, it was a willing game and all the rest, it just, I just, at no point did I think Manly are playing it well was, enough to yeah, win this. It was almost like can they come back type of game where, and I just thought the Dragons defensively were enthusiastic in this game, and Manly had to really try hard for space. That's the other thing I was going to say. I thought the Dragons' line speed in this game yes, was really good. it was. You could see it. They were scrambling well. They were recovering well. And it was also one of these games where I thought DCE really tried hard to like bring his team with him, but they just weren't 
quite there in that game. So it was a but well, I mean they didn't win. they didn't stay in a line. The Dragons didn't stay in a line in this game. They 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 kind of the outside backs were told they to kind of run an like, angle, yeah, space down, yes. yeah, yeah. They were at an angle defensively. Yeah, and you could see Manly trying to play find space through that, but it just didn't quite stick in that game. But I, I thought Dragons were pretty much in control for the whole game and a big win in terms of the top eight in the semis to sort of just keep them there on the Well, finish. it kept their season alive. It yeah, kept their absolutely. season alive, and which is why I then tipped them against the Cowboys, particularly at Netstrata Jubilee. Of course. Well, well, because – and then they were absolutely <laughs> diabolical <laughs> last night. So, yeah, terrible. so – all right, moving on to the second Friday game, which was the Knights versus the Roosters. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> stick, stick a fork in the Knights. They are done, my friend. They, 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 they may as well swap the emblems. The, the Sydney Knights and the, the Newcastle Roosters. They're, they're, they're a roasted chalk. They're done. Oh, God. It was 42 to 2 <laughs> for, for, until, until the last seven minutes. I mean, they got absolutely annihilated in this game. Um, the Roosters killed them, and I just I just think James Tedesco had a game for the ages without Joey Manu there. Just he had a game for the ages. It was great. He had 22 runs, 317 run meters, 67 post contact meters, 10 tackle busts, three line breaks, two line break wow. assists, one offload. Wow. Just an amazing performance That's a by Teddy. That's game, isn't it? Just a brilliant, brilliant game. And I also can I, can I tell you the other person I thought for the and and the Knights were so bad. It's hard to tell how much of this was him versus um the Knights versus how well he played. I thought it was Connor Watson's best game. I thought Connor Watson got the Roosters on a roll when he came on. I thought he was yeah, Connor. I thought Connor Watson was really, really good. He was ultra effective in this game. He got the Roosters on a roll on. So now the big talking point, the big the big talking point out of this game was of course Kalen Ponga's head injury. Another HIA. It was an innocuous tackle. It didn't look like there was much in it. But um, I think they're going to shut him down for the rest of the I season. Would. But that's that's kind of ominous. He's had a few now. He's had a few. Lindsay Collins Caleb. is another one. Yeah. So, um, Lindsay I just Collins thought, is another one. Um, he had one last week or this week. The Roosters were too good. And I think, but the thing is, I think these type of games are helping the Roosters because now they're finally almost at full strength, right? And I think it's been a while since they've had a settled team for a few weeks. And they need these games to help them run up their combos. I know some of them's easy, some of them are easy, but it's it's helping their attack. And Tedesco and Manu and now Kiri and Walker are working together. Suwali's even settling in even more. Suwali's post origin. Suwali has grown an extra leg. Yes, he's he has. A, he's been amazing. Can I can I just say? Yeah. I think Dane Gagai has been terrible this he season. He has. Yeah. He started off on fire, but he's... well, he missed he missed he missed another six tackles. He's just defensively terrible. Mate, he's getting older. I think he's still got that aggression that Dan Gagai plays for. But when you're older, you're a step slower. If you you are a little bit off, you can't recover. And I think that's what's happening. He's misreading the odd thing, and then he's done. He's getting stepped. Gee, they had 42 missed tackles. Yeah, they they were just carved apart. And but I think this is a game the Roosters needed to sharpen their attack. The Knights, the Knights had more possession. They made less tackles than the Roosters. The Roosters just killed them though. And they had more missed tackles. It was just. They won the penalty count. Like <laughs> every you look like, like you, I just look you at would this think and I go, statistically it was, would it be How badly did you yeah. guys play when you had the ball? And you know the other thing that's a problem for Adam O'Brien's teams is they're not they're not doing anything with the ball. They're in that kind of Trent Barrett Bulldogs trap of just trying to complete sets. Correct. So I, I think that the game's changed. You can't just complete sets. Yes, that's part of it, but you've got to the, the defences are too well drilled, so you've got to challenge them to some degree. 
Um, and the Roosters, but a good win for the Roosters. They're a better team than their points total. I think their injuries have hampered them. But I'll, they're a watch out for as the, as the semis start to progress. I think they're starting to come into a little bit more form towards the back end. Of the I year. think they're better when Joey Manu plays tighter. He's more involved. It forces his involvement. And he's a bigger body defensively. Yeah, forces his involvement. But they've got a few things so, working right. for them. So good win. They do. They do. All right, let's move on to shitty yeah. Saturday. Yes. Um, first up, I usually get on to Raiders games, and I go, if you've seen one Raiders game, you've seen them all. Well, this, this one was, was the, the exact opposite. opposite <laughs> the exact opposite of every Raiders game you've ever seen. They were down 10-0 early through two early tries in the first 10 minutes to the Warriors, and and then Sean Johnson even kicked them ahead to make it 14-0, and that was the score at halftime. They were 14-0 down at halftime. And then in the second half, they just, as soon as they got Seb Chris went over with the second try, 20 minutes in, I, at that point, I thought, oh, the, the, the Warriors have broken here. And, and, and between the 59th and 67th minute, they actually scored three tries to, to, to kick the game out uh, and make it 24-4 till right at the end. So, um, at tw- sorry, 22-14 till right at the end of the game. So um, Warriors were really good in the first half, but I think it was it was a combination of the Warriors being really good in the first half, but I also thought the Raiders weren't great. They dropped the ball. They made they gave away penalties. They were just lethargic in that first half, and when they switched on, they re- they did come over the top of the top of the yeah top of the Warriors. Chanel Harris Tavita was interesting at fullback. He moved him to fullback, and he dropped Brees Walsh. Um, Reese Walsh is they're clearly sending a message to Reese Walsh. He only got 14 minutes in this game, and I actually think um, can I can I just say something? I actually think Jack Whiten with his two 40-20s in this game, um, Jack Whiten's come. His kicking game has really improved this year. Like the last few weeks, Jack Whiten's coming into a bit of form. I agree with that. I think Jack Whiten's been really really good the last few weeks for the Raiders. The Raiders are an interesting team. I think. And Jamal Fogarty was excellent in the second half too. Yeah, Jamal Fogarty as well. But Jamal Fogarty hasn't played with them that much this year. So maybe that combo no, started because the to yeah. because the injury started to sort of take shape, right? But I thought, you know, they were very lackadaisical. I think the War- the Raiders switched off a little bit mentally and thought they would have an easy win in this game. And like you said, the opposite happened. And at half time, they sort of came out with a little bit more enthusiasm, a little bit more fire. You know, then they really started to challenge the Warriors. And I thought the Warriors sort of tied out. All of a sudden, as the Raiders upped the momentum, holes, big holes started to appear on the fringes. And the Raiders took full advantage of that with Chris and Savage, I think, on their left, attacking some of those gaps. And um, and then, you know, a 40-20 by Jack White and then Corey Howell, and Ira strolled over and scored as well. And then that sort of, they, three relatively quick tries and then that's it. I think the game was over. It's only ever really going to be one winner from there. Um, but a, a change. The Raiders much better in the second half and, and coming back and knocking the Warriors off. But they're staying in touch. But there's, there's, there's a few impro- bits of improvement in the Raiders with some of their players. Timoko is starting to look better. Now he's played. He's got a season under his belt. Sebastian Chris is starting to play a lot better. He's a lot leaner as well. And Kotrick is, you know, adding some finishing touches here and there. So... And Xavier Savage is starting to get Yeah, yeah, they're getting better. The Raiders are looking to look better. They've come together. Good. They're looking better. I think they've left their run a bit late. I don't think I don't think I don't think they're gonna beat the, the Souths or Roosters to the eight. So I think they've left their run a little bit late. But I do think well, they come with the you, Raiders but they're in are getting better. They they're they're playing better. They, you know and, and you know what? They've they've they're getting into the grind better now. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're going set for set and getting into the grind a little bit better, whereas I think they were 
they were just a little bit, they were ill-disciplined would be the way I'd describe them early in the season. So Ricky's clearly had an effect. Whatever he said at halftime really worked. And of course, he tore his calf muscle celebrating the Corey Harawir and Ira try. That's what happens when you get old, Ricky. Old old man injury from the sideline. Oh, cool. I'm so excited. Bang, there goes your calf muscles. <laughs> correct, correct. <laughs> so the next four games were really good games, actually. And, and two of them were um, on Super Saturday. The first up was the Panthers versus the Sharks. The Panthers got up 20 to 10 at home. But can I say... For the first thirty minutes of this game, the Sharks were the Sharks were the, be- yes. Sharks were the better team. Yep. Sharks were the better team. They they got a, two early tries through Connor Tracy and Matt Moylan, who's been extended. Uh, Matt Moylan's playing out of his skin as well. And they were up they were up ten they were up ten nil early within the first twelve minutes. They didn't get another point for the rest of the game. That just goes to show you defensively how good the Panthers, Panthers are. are. Yeah. But they grind they grinded this one out. Um, Isaac Tago got a try. It was up 10-6. Nathan Cleary got a penalty goal just on half time to make it 10-8. Um, and then and then they, they, they got a try after the break and then they iced it right at the end with Jerome Luai try. But this was a tough, tough semi-final It was style a semi-final style of game. football, yes. I, I thought the Sharks played good footy. They played good footy and the Sharks are playing that style of footy. That's their style of footy. Do you know what I mean? Because they did that against, well, they did that against... Um, Souths as well. South yeah. this week as well. Similar so, style of so game. Good, similar style of game. And the Panthers do this, right? After Origin last year, they came back to the pack a little bit and the attacking prowess kind of Yeah, it did. It tapered off. Yes, that's right. I remember that. But then they defensively became superb. Correct. And it's, it was that type of game again. And Jerome Luai was ruled out for six weeks after this game. So that's with the Nathan Cleary injury from last weekend. That's uh, the suspension from last weekend. That's... Uh, it's a bit of a. They're going to struggle a little bit to get them out. Like well, to but they're and, going to be fit coming into the semis as well. And so rested. that's the other. That's the flip side of it. So, but great performance from the Sharks. Um, you know what? I don't think the Sharks. The Sharks are playing Craig Fitzgibbon style football. They're defending their way to victory. I just don't know that they've got enough points in them this year to threaten the really top sides. Yeah, I think you're right. I think this game they they started off playing good football and they do have that style of, well, I think Connor Tracy's been really good for them and added a lot of pace on the wing. Katoa is a great player as well, but he I, gives I, can them... I, can I just, can I just say, they, they look so much better when Connor Tracy's in that side. Yeah, they look faster to me when Connor Tracy's there. Well, and stronger and he's defensively solid. He gets involved. I just, I just think they've got to find a role for him in that team. A consistent role. He gets moved around quite a bit. I just thought that they they sort of matched the Panthers with grit and, and determination. And then they had a little bit of skillful football and more than backing up through the middle to put them ahead. Um, but then, like you said, I think the Panthers slowly grinded their way back into the game. So it was almost like they were just reeling them in bit by bit. Um, they scored a couple of really good tries. Um, the, the Edwards try was fantastic because it was good defence by the Sharks, but the hands and the, the speed with Taylor May making a break down the wing and passing back into Edwards. And Taylor May is a massive out. I think he's sensational as a winger. And I think they, they just had enough to keep ahead of the Sharks. And the Sharks, like you say, they couldn't come back. Once Penrith put their clamps into or claws into them, really, the Sharks, like you say, didn't really trust their attack to get back in the Penrith game. Have the, Penrith have the fastest line speed of any team in the Absolutely. Comp. You can see it. So I thought the Sharks, that they then sort of went into their show and tried to grind a game out and get lucky with a win rather than try to win the game. So, But it was a good game, good tight game, good football, and a good win from Penrith, but also a good test for the Sharks. They're not that far away. They're just, you know, there's a few things I need to tweak, but they'll be one of the teams in the semis that are definitely going to be a threat. They've got it in them. 
I just don't have to have the points in them to beat some of these fancy teams. That's right. That's right. But they're not going to be easy outs. Anyway, let's move Let's move on to a, a game, one of the games that was around as well, was South versus the Storm. South got this one, 24-12. to 12, um, This game was played at ANZ Stadium, or what's it called now, Acor Stadium. Yeah, it's Acor Stadium. Um, as soon as Kaloa Matangi scored down the right edge in the first minute, it was such an uncharacteristic mistake. Yes. Both from the numbers, the line, it was too easy. the spacing, the spacing. It was such an uncharacteristic storm defence. I thought they're in a lot of trouble, and they were. The scoreline says, close game, 24-12. Actually, it was five tries to two, and it was only goal-kicking that really kept the storm in the game. Um, I thought I thought South dominated the storm. I thought they were good for the win, but the storm are in a bit of trouble. And can I say Latrell Mitchell was excellent on his, on his return? I agree with that. I thought watching this game that the Rabbitohs were well on top. And it was more because the Storm, like you say, defensively, there's so many gaps. Justin Olam, who usually is a defensive rock, is being caught out of position constantly. He's coming in too fast. Whether he doesn't have that combo with his winger. Gee, their back line was... Yeah, one week it's Meany, then it's Anderson, then it's Wishart. Like, it's all over the place. Well, this is what I was going to talk about. Their three quarters are Grant Anderson, Justin Olam, Marion Seve, Dean Iremea, and Nick Meany. It's so far removed. It's the reserve uh, grade, basically. Yeah, it's well, Justin Olam's not, but you're talking about you know four out of five, three quarters are not. And I think you can see that. I think the scrambling defence is still there at times, and I thought that you know South scored a couple of good tries with basically AJ's acceleration that probably other wingers might not have scored. So I thought their scramble defence was still pretty good. The way Colomatangi and stuff was working on that fringe and the amount of space they found. It was always going to be the Rabbitohs winning. It was just a, a matter of, you know, how long it took for them to sort of really put the storm away. But I think Melbourne's struggling. They've got too many injuries in the back line. Their defence is all over the place. It's it's not a standard sort. And they're too slow. Like Wishart would get caught and then they're pinned in because the defence would scramble their attack, scramble across and slide and blunt their attack. So they're finding it harder to score some tries too so or make ground. Uh, but good win by South. It was fairly... One-sided, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. Shall we move on to the Sunday games? Good games, actually. Exciting. Yeah, they were great games. First up, it was the Dogs versus the Titans in a defensive masterclass. (laughs) I wouldn't Um, say that. 11 tries scored. The Dogs got up 36 to 26. Interestingly enough, they played at Combank Stadium. Why are they playing so many games at Paris Stadium? I think they've made a deal Combank Aren't Stadium. you a Bulldog supporter and hosting a podcast? Aren't you a member? Aren't you a member? Why are you playing so many they games made a deal. Combank Stadium? They made a deal to um, play at Combank Stadium a number of games per year, I think five or six. Any other details? I don't other know. Than that? I don't know why. I, I just think that, you know what part of it is? Part of it was a lot of complaints about the atmosphere at Acor Stadium where there's like 8,000 oh, right, okay. people in an 80,000 seat bowl. So I think that is part of trying to appease some of the fan base and at least having an atmosphere at Combank, which is a magnificent stadium. It's great. This was this was actually just a great game to watch. Um, Josh Adokar got two intercepts and ran two length yeah. of the field tries. He ended up with a hat trick. Matt Burton had a double. Um, can I say Jeremy Marshall King has been your best player all year? When he runs, when he runs, he is actually a really good dummy half. I've been saying this for two seasons, though. I've been saying this for two seasons. When he runs, if he's just if he's just getting into dummy half and passing the ball, he's not a ball player. No, he's, he's not. actually quite a dangerous runner. Yes. He's actually quite a dangerous runner. And I think he's been unleashed a bit by Potter. And now you're watching him play when he's kind of unleashed. 
you kind of think, geez, like, did we make the right decision to spend? Oh, I love Reed Marty, but it's like we paid big money for him. Yeah, he's been awful for us. And Matt Matt Burton was superb. Matt Burton's playing out of his skin as well. So and so Matt Burton, Josh Adokar were absolutely superb, and so was Jeremy Marshall King. They were the three brilliant, just brilliant, some brilliant tries in this game. It was great to see the Fox in full flight. What I will say defensively, though, what I will say defensively, the Titans score more tries off kicks than any other team in the comp. You guys conceded four tries off kicks in this game. Grubbers, typically, often from, um, it'll either be a bomb to the wings, it'll be a little grubber in behind from the dummy half, it could be from the half back, either right, second receiver or first receiver right, either side of the ruck. But but that, that you shouldn't be conceding so many tries from kicks, and that's really all they've got. The Titans attack, despite scoring five tries, was dreadful. As a Bulldogs fan, watching some exciting football has been a revelation over the last four or five after the last four oh, or five yeah, seasons. Oh yeah, I don't blame you. Um, I'm loving the combo between Burton and Addo Carr. And Addo, it's very dangerous, and teams have to watch for it. You know, the early kicks to Addo Carr using his pace to stretch defense out, basically. Um, the Tavita and Tino sort of battle for whatever reason was a bit of fun. I, I like Jacob Carraz. He's really good to have in the team because he's enthusiastic and he battles. He's added a fair bit to that backline. He's added a fair bit to to that backline, and um, I thought it was it was some exciting football. And you know, it was good to see Matt, uh, Matthew Burden as well running and supporting and actually using his running game as well to score tries. But it's good to watch my team win and um, play some exciting football. I'm not worried if they make the eight, but at least entertain you whilst you're not doing it. So good win. Yeah, it's good to see. The Fox back in full flight the last few weeks. He's back up on the scoring charts. All right, let's move on to the most controversial game of the round. <laughs> the Tigers robbery. Let's start there. The Cowboys obviously won this 27-26 to with a Valentine Holmes penalty goal after the siren. After Cowboy, after Adam Dwayhew, who was back for the Tigers, played out of his bloody skin, can I say? You weren't wrong, mate. He's been sensational since he's, since he's come back. Just sensational since he came back. But also, Luke Brooks and Dane Laurie were also good in this game, right? So, so, so Dane Laurie in particular has been playing particularly well. You know what? Brett Kamali's doing an okay job. Noddy's doing an okay job there. Yeah, actually. They've I been agree. A lot more competitive, they are. like Mick Potter. Um, I, I thought they deserved to win this game. Um, anyway, so Adam Dwayne break. The Tigers got a try. Literally two minutes left on the clock to a great comeback. Two, two tries in the last few minutes. Yeah. Two tries in the last five minutes, and they were up 26-25. The Cowboys did a short kickoff. What a shepherd call was basically made. Escort, that's what they call it these days. Every day of the week and twice on Sunday, that's not a penalty. It got given a penalty and the Tigers got robbed and we yeah, spoke about Lee Hadjipentelis up. But this was a great game. Great game of footy. This went this went backwards and forwards the whole the whole time. The Tigers led at half time and then after the break the Cowboys came back and took the lead and then the Tigers had one last push at the end which showed Actually, actually showed an enormous amount of courage and, and, and team spirit to do that, to come back like that? I think so. I think that's a good point. It's that team spirit. But I also feel like Noddy or Brett Kamali and Mick Potter have given their teams belief that they can actually win some of these games. You remember at the start of the year, you said there were a few times where if they knew how to win, there were a couple of opportunities where the Tigers probably should have won one or two of those games. But now they actually think they can win the game and they're playing entirely different. Their spirit's up. For all intents and purposes, after the Cowboys hit the lead, they should have withered. But they came back twice and took the lead again and then got robbed. Yeah, I, I I agree. I feel for the I felt so bad for the Tigers fans and their supporters, but but you know there's light at the end of the tunnel for them. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that was a spirited performance. That was a spirited performance. And then they got the win this round, obviously, against the Broncos, which was a massive upset. But so they're, they're playing a lot better, right? But um, Adam Dewey, he was great. Uh, for the for the Cowboys, though, I thought Val Holmes and Jerem- Jeremiah Nanai is just the... F- unbelievable. He's been unbelievable. He's a rookie. Unbelievable. If you're talking about the find of the season... He's got to be rookie of the year, doesn't absolutely. he? Absolutely. He's got to be rookie close. of the year. It is absolutely not close. You know, Val Holmes... You know, eventually beat the Tigers' defense when, because I thought the Tigers' defense was shooting up and sort of almost pressing and really challenging. God, he's the perfect size now, Val Holmes. Now that he's dropped the NFL weight, he's still got his footwork now and his acceleration. So, you know, Stafford Tower ran up, just wasn't quite there, and then Holmes stepped him and you know he started the Cowboys' comeback. And then Nanai, I mean, far out, two tries, one off the scoop and run off uh, the Luke Brooks sort of error, and then you know just running the right lines all the time, busting the line. And once he scored, I thought, oh, that's it, the Tigers are done. Sure enough, they spread the ball. Brett Naden, but he scores in the corner. And then they score another try with some magic from Adam Dwayhe and Dane Laurie backing him up. I thought, wow, what a comeback. They're going to win. And then, you know, they did get robbed at the end. But it was just great spirit, good comeback. And especially after the start, the first try where Robson went through the middle and passed Deed, and I thought, this is too easy. You know, this could be a flogging. But, mate, the Tigers, well done. A massive improvement. A great game. And um, the Cowboys got away with one, definitely, in that game. So, uh, but more testament to the Tigers. Good fucking performance. They good, great performance actually, and they've been competitive against Para, Penrith, yeah, Cowboys, all right. and, and and with and they and, and they beat the Broncos. So the last Two four weeks have been pretty have been good. Probably Newcastle and bloody the Titans. The Titans, yeah, they they've been clearly the worst teams in my opinion. So which you wouldn't have thought at the beginning, no. right? You thought both of them were fringe top eight teams. So luckily for them, Red Cliffs coming in next year. All right, let's move on to round twenty. When first up, it was the prideless Sea Eagles. Yeah, yes. Actually, Prideless is not bad. I just thought they were the, the Mandy White Eagles with a few brown feathers. Prideless White Eagles against the Sydney Roosters. The Roosters were always going to win this game. I didn't think it was going to be the flogging that everyone thought it was because the Sea Eagles also had quite a decent spine, right? They had their Ruben Garrick, Kieran Foran, Daly Cherry Evans and Lachlan Croker. So it, it was, they still had Marty Tapao. lot was made about Zach Fulton making his debut, the first third-generation player to play with the same club. Um, James Seguiaro came back after his... his yeah, I know. I thought that was well. him. I had no minutes. idea. I was like, hang on, that's James Seguiaro. What the hell? It's been missing for a long time. So... You know, Alfred Smalley and Pio Secchi made their debuts. Well, if not debuts in Alfred Smalley's case, but but Pio Secchi's was. Um, but but you know, they were always going to win this, and they did. But they they made um, they were spirited. The Sea Eagles. So Desi obviously had them up and about. It was an important game, one they really needed to win for their top eight hopes. But look, I'm not, I wasn't going to say too much about this. I never thought the Roosters were going to lose this before or after the game. They did just enough to win it. At times, they made it hard work. Um, most of the scoring was in the first 30 minutes of the game, and then the game kind of petered out from there. I think I look. I agree with you. I just the way I watched it, saw this game was very much. I think Manly actually tried really hard, and they really put in a great effort. I just, because I had so many people out, they were just a little bit too slow, a little bit... Well, it wasn't slow. I don't think, it just disorganised, disorganised. You don't have the same wingers, yeah. But, I, you know, can I can I give a shout-out in this game? I thought Daily Cherry... But Daily Cherry Evans did a really good job on the field of protecting the debutants. He kicked, he kicked, he kicked through the middle as opposed to the... Like, he did a lot of stuff during the game 
where he tried to manage the damage. And and unless you're watching the game closely, you can't tell. It was a, it, on a losing side. It was actually an, a, a great game management performance. On the other side, Joey Manu. God, I love him. What a player. He was great to watch. I thought Teddy involved himself again. And I just thought the Roosters just had it that little bit extra that the Manly team didn't have because they had so many players out and you know a lot of rookies as well. So it was just they were always going to win, but a good good effort by Manly. And sad to see Lindsay Collins again go down with another HIA or in a concussion. He seems to get injured a fair bit, the big fella. Um, so hopefully that is okay. And good to see Jared Warrior Hargraves back to his um, shithousery best with the elbow in the face. Well, I think awesome. I think. They play bet. They play best when he's <laughs> shit maximum shithousery. That's old school, Jared. Where your hard raise. you land on top of the guy, and yeah, just stick yeah. your elbow accidentally in his jaw. He's turning back he's the clock. Turning back the clock. I, I don't think Zach Fulton appreciated that too much. Uh, look, a, a welcome win for the Roosters and slowly making their way up the ladder, bit by bit. All right, they're, they're into the top eight after that win. So yeah. next up, it was the Warriors versus the Storm. The Storm absolutely dominated this game from beginning to end, but they only led 10-8 at halftime. Like, they still looked a bit shaky. Yes. But they dominated the half. They dominated yeah. it at Mount Smart. They won this game 24-12. They went over the top of the Warriors in the second half. But, um, yes, they won it. Yes, it was away from home. Yes, there was a big crowd for the New Zealand Warriors. But I'm not sure Craig Bellamy would be over the moon with that performance. I just think, T, they're missing that spark. They're missing something. In the yeah, centers. they really they've are. Got their center main stri- they've got their main strike center out. I mean, they, they, I mean, they were very weak. They were very weak down that right edge, the Melbourne Storm. Edward Cossey got three tries. Yeah, absolutely. And That's I've, where all the tries came from. It was that try that... Dane Anderson is, you know, still a rookie. He's learning how to read the game. And I think they're really struggling. They're at a point where there's been too many injuries and too many changes. They're just unsettled on defensively. And then in attack... You'll notice they're spreading the ball wide and they're not getting as much ground. They're not making the breaks that they would when they had the speed. And also, T, they're coming from far deeper now to try and create the same tempo because they're lacking pace. And it's just... If I'm if I'm Craig Bellamy, if I'm Craig Bellamy, I would want to play a different style of footy because I just don't have the three quarters at the moment. You don't, you, uh, I just you have don't to. have the outside backs. So you've got to play almost a Cronulla style of just through the middle. I think so. The middle. I think so. I think Tighten the game up. They're just not making those inroads anymore. The danger's not quite there. They eventually wore the Warriors down and there was a few too many gaps starting to appear in the Warriors' defence. But they dominated the game and they didn't win by much, whereas ordinarily that Storm victory would yeah, be great. by 40 or so. So, you know, good effort. But the Storm, because they're the Storm, they're hanging games. But I reckon that's the top four team that's going to drop out or can be easily beaten where top four is not a true reflection of how good they are unless they get their players back. And it looks like Nick Beanie's injured as well. So now they have no fullback. They might be better off with no fullback. <laughs> uh, they need something. He, he's been probably one of their key attackers without Pappy there. So everything's falling apart. Shall we, shall we move on to yeah. the game of the round? Yes. You know what? The Panthers, they've won so many games. They've only lost <laughs> oh, one no. leading into yes, this game. They, they were an unstoppable force of football. Of course. We were comparing them to the 2007 Melbourne Storm, and, and it was going to take some a special team. <laughs> of course it was. going to take a really was, yes. special team. And a send-off to, of him to, playmaker. It's it, it going to take a special team with a Herculean effort. These guys were like the ba- Battle of Thermopylae. I don't know if you've seen the movie 300. Yes, That's I what have. the Eels were like in this game. <laughs> of course they were. So, so the Eels came out of the blocks. Listen, be, even before the send-off, we were smashing them. I know Sean O'Sullivan scored, but we were up 12-4 before Nathan Cleary got sent off. Was there a wooden horse 
like parked in the back of the stadium. It wasn't the Trojan <laughs> horse. No, no, no. We were dominating the game early. It was a Parramatta. It's the inconsistent eels. It was a sellout, nearly 27,000 there. We got two tries. Well, the... The Panthers scored early, but then it was all us. We got two tries through Isaiah Papali and Mike Acevo. We're up 12-4, and then the incident of the game. Um, Nathan Cleary, um, Liam Martin was over the top. Usually in a, in a tackle like that, the tackler at the top stabilizes the body so it doesn't turn into a, a spin yeah. tackle. But in this case, Liam Martin dropped off. Nathan Cleary's hands were between the legs, and he didn't realize Liam Martin was there, and he drove him into the ground. So clear send-off in my book. Totally. Um, I just love it how when someone else does it, they're like, well, that was a bad tackle. And as soon as um, Nathan Cleary does, oh, it's not in his game. That's not his go. And I'm just like, it's no well, one's I agree go. with that. I don't think he's a dirty player. I don't think Nathan Cleary's a dirty player. There are that are. It's just sometimes things go wrong and he, he got suspended. Jordan Rapiner. Well, okay. There's the odd Jordan Rapiner. Jared Warrior Hargraves. Okay, you want me to keep going? Antonio Cafusi. Yeah, Antonio Cafusi. Felice Cafusi. Felice Cafusi. Oh, my God. That's a blast from the past. Yeah, Felice Cafusi. He's he's absolutely a shithousery guy. So, but, uh, so there is a few. There's a few. Let's be honest. There is a few. Okay. So, and after that, though, we just completely dominated. I mean, the game was over at that point, right? We, we ended up running in six tries to two. The second half was a bit of a non-event. The, the, the Panthers actually did really well in the second half, to be honest with you, because they... um. It was a try apiece, and actually they yeah, the Panthers yeah. actually won. The Panthers actually won the second half, six four. I wanted to get your takeaway on this, right? Because for this, I thought this game, in a way, showed me the two Eels teams in one game of footy. In that, I thought at the start, I thought Penrith came out well. I thought they did miss Luai tremendously, and I thought they missed Taylor May, the Charlie Staines out there. You know, and they scored early, and then you think, okay, is this going to be a, another game where it's sort of Penrith is always just going to be a little bit on top, and Parra's going to struggle to peg them back but keep the game close. And then Parra just came to life. I just thought they went, I don't know what the right word is, they went at Penrith. They came at them from yeah. with depth, physical, speed. They were physical. They were physical. They had speed, They depth, moved the ball yeah. with the forwards on the fringe. They, they, I thought they pulled their defence out and then they went wide fast and gave their outside men yeah. room to move. And I, look, admittedly, Penrith... We've done the double over them now. Yeah. The, the only time they've lost, the only time they've lost is to us. Our problem is, I'm not sure we're consistent enough the, to okay, get Okay, this is what game. I was going to get to you, get to, right? Is that I thought... Shit, Parra's playing some really good footy. Then Mitch put in the 40-20. And then, again, great ball movement to put Sebo in the corner. Very early and quick and direct attack. Okay, Cleary got sent off. And then the Eels just went on with it. And I thought, you know what? They're looking strong. But then they switched off in the second half. I know Penrith came up a level. But I would have thought the Eels would go, you know what? Let's make a fucking statement here. We're ahead Let's put fifty on these guys. Even if Cleary's off, who cares? Let's. It's the that's the eels. And they just they switch off. And I'm like, rack. what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the eels. Before Cleary got sent off, I thought Para the way they were playing, I thought they were going to beat Penrith anyway. They, were, I mean, in that small period of time, but they were dominating yeah. them. They were playing the best footy that they could play almost, and it was it looked good. And the Cleary stuff obviously it did look good. The game, but but yeah, then they just switched off. So are they going to do this in the semis? Well, I don't know, right? But they just that consistency is a real problem for the team, uh, and I don't think they they've got a really tough run in, which I shared with you. On they got, I think, I think they got the Storm, Souths, Bulldogs. So they got a few of the. Heavy I think they'll get the Storm. Um, Broncos. I think they'll get the Storm. I think the Broncos game, and I think they got the Cowboys, don't they? And the Cowboys, yeah. So it's a tough, tough draw in. Um, I think I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna win enough games 
to make the top four. And if they're outside the top four, they're not consistent enough to win four weeks. I agree with you. The Eels, out of all those teams, are probably the two. I think they can get to the grand final. But if it's a one-off game, if it's a one-off game in the preliminary against the Panthers, they're a show. Yes, they are. They've, I think they've proven that. They, they, the, the two games earlier this year, a full-strength Penrith and a full-strength Storm, those two games were of incredibly high quality. And that first half against the Roosters as well. They played at a, a premiership level almost, right? So it's just that it happens every now and again. So I think they really need to be in that top four to get that second chance so they can almost compensate for their inevitable shitty performance a week after a week. <laughs> Correct. Well, that's right. That's what I think. That's exactly what I think. I think I don't think they got the consistency to win four games in a row. With the rest of the teams there, the way I'm looking at those finals, if the Eels... Don't have a full. I mean, they could beat a full street pen, but they've got a show to make the grand final through the top four for sure. That's probably the team I, I think can make it if. But they got to make the top four to make a grand final. They got to make the top four. I don't think they can win four in a row from outside the top four. No, but a good side. This tough draw will test them. But also, if they win some of these games, it's going to give them a psychological leg up in the semis because they're going to play some. Maybe we'll see. Games. Big big two months coming up for the Eels. So let's let's move on to shitty Saturday. Yes. Um. First up, it was the Titans versus the Raiders. The Raiders won this 36-24 to up at Rabina in front of a decent crowd for the Gold Coast of 12,500. Yeah. Um, the Raiders dominated this game. They scored seven tries, yet they only won 36-24. Yes, and it, in fact, in fact, at halftime, it was 16-12 yeah. after dominating. Then yeah. in the second half, the Raiders went all through them. But the Titans, again, there was a couple of length of the field tries. There was tries off kicks. Again, it was a bit like the Warriors versus Storm. The Storm won, but the, the sorry, not the Storm Warriors. The the which game were we talking about last week? Oh, the, do, the Dogs and Titans. The South South Storm. Oh, South, South Storm. Storm. Sorry, it was, yes. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That the scoreline was closer than what the game actually. Yeah, I thought Cameron was always I mean. going to win, so but the Titans kept on coming. They back just dominated it, right? They just dominated it. I just thought they dominated it physically, the way they played, everything. I thought Canberra were really good, and I just thought the Titans are hanging in these games, and I don't know how, but they're awful. Yeah, they can't win. They've, I suppose, made their pack a little bit smaller, and it's given them a little bit more agility around the middle of the ruck, the Titans, but. If that's solidified, then their wing play and centres and fringe defence is terrible. They're all over the place. Um, can I can I make a couple of points? Yeah. Um, Jack Whiten is playing out of he his He was skin really good moment. in this he's game, in, yep. He's in really good form. One. Two, Joey Tarpanay. Oh, yeah, he's back to Joey Tarpanay. I know he got, got 10 minutes. He's, he's back to Joey Tarpanay, and, and the move to prop is now working. Yes. Hudson Young might be one of the best right edge back rowers in the game at the moment as well. They're playing really well, and I think this is the first try where Tomoko sh- streaked away off the wide but then, pass. But then you go, it's the Titans, and they can't tackle to save their yeah, lives. Yeah, I know, but he's still white and ran at the line and shimmied and drew in three or four plays on the right where he usually doesn't play and put Tomoko, who ran the right great. line, Just right? played great, So they're yeah. playing off each other well. I think Sebastian Chris has really made that left side now on his own. Like I said, he's quicker, he's he's thinner, and he's a big guy. He's a big unit, and he's a skillful player, and he's playing off Hudson Young quite well as well. So Can I, can I say something that I don't think is working? What? Xavier Savage. I think he sort of got a point there. He's it's a, it's an it's an it's an investment in the future, but he is out of position a lot. Yes, he's a kid. He's 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 if he can get better, he'll be good. But he's he reminds me a little bit of Matt Dufty at the moment. He's out of position. Actually, a that's lot a good call. Back. It's kind of like he's trying to find his way, but then he'll come up with some magic every now and again, or hit the ball so far, hit the ball at pace so quick that the defense has to react and he'll create a try. But he's actually um, so he's almost like an X factor, but he could be. 
he could cost the Raiders too. But again, the Raiders won really well. But for me, out of the Titans, it was just I, great to see um, Jaden Campbell back. And you can see he's – and this is what I was talking about before. Jaden Campbell – Alex Brimson is better at fullback, but so is Jaden Campbell. And Yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Jaden Campbell backed up and turned two breaks into tries solely by just being in the right place at the right time, great footwork. Can, can I can I tell you – and you look at this Titans team. Like, I actually thought Tino and Bo Firma were great. Bo, Bo Firma was fantastic, fantastic in this game. They played good fantastic. football. Um, Tino, the last try – I know the game was over, but to run around the winger – had set that up far out. And Justin Holbrook, Justin Holbrook to say Kieran Foran can't come quick enough. You know, what does that what what, what does that say confidence-wise for the rest of the t- like that you've still got 5 games to play. I mean, I'm I'm almost at a you you put a you, you put your queue in the rack with the Titans. That that comment speaks volumes, right? Is what do you do with Brimson and Jaden Campbell then? Jaden Campbell is one of their best players and so is Alex and Brimson, but they play their best position is the same position. They need a hooker. So if they get Sam Verrills, so that's that's one part of the equation, right? They really need a they hooker. They do need a hooker, absolutely. I just think they, they've got to work out those positions. Because the problem is AJ, AJ Brimson's also a bigger body, so I think he'd actually be better at fullback. Maybe, but to be honest, Campbell defensively is actually pretty good. Campbell gives you the magic, though. He gives you the magic, and if there's a break, he's there. He turns he, he turns. He's like a Pappenheiser. He turns a break yeah. into six points. So I don't know what they do, but their recruitment doesn't make sense. It's like, what is Brimson? If he's not, then what are you doing with Jaden Campbell? Why do you have seven back rollers that are built like the Incredible Hulk and no hooker? You know, like, it just, none of it fits. It's weird. Tino is you got one of the best, most athletic props in the comp. Play around that. And they're That's just, right. yeah, I don't know. Their centers don't move. Patrick Herbert's too slow. They're, they're a little bit all over the place. But the Raiders, a good win. And, yeah, like we said, they're playing themselves into a little bit of form. So it'll be interesting to see how they finish the next few weeks. And they're just on the fringe of the eight. You know, they all play each other, team. One or two losses here and there, and the whole thing changes. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, I agree with that. So they're not out of it by any stretch of not the imagination. All. all right. Shall we move on to what was probably the game of the round, right? And that was the Sharks versus the Rabbitohs. The Souths haven't had a close game since Magic Round when the Warriors nearly chased really? them down at the end of the game. Yep. Wow. They've been either getting blown away or they've been blowing teams off the park. This was their first game since Magic Round. I think it was mentioned by Dan Ganane in commentary as well. The Sharks got up 21-10 in front of nearly 12,000 fans down at... Um, Shark Park or Points Bet Stadium, as it's called now. Now this was this was another semi-final style it of was, game. It yes. wasn't a free-flowing no, game. Both no teams all. were tight. They were trying not to make mistakes. It was it was tense. It was tense would be the word I'd use to describe this game. It was a lot of tension. I thought Cronulla had done enough when they were up twenty points to fourteen. So did and I. Then Totola got over. Totola got over. Did you think that was a try? Great try. And Andrew Fafita had a great try just before that as well. Benefit of the doubt type of try. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I actually do think it was a try because he got tackled and it moved. He didn't like lift his arm up, if that makes sense. Like, but tackle moved his arm. He didn't like move his arm. Totola got the try. It was twenty all. Went to Golden Point. Went to the second half of Golden Point. Now George Burgess did get sent off for that coat hanger tackle. He deserved to go in my opinion. I know it wasn't hard. Well, he got him around the shoulder and collarbone first, though, and this is the yeah. But I think you got to protect the head. You got to protect the head. It was I Thomas agree. Burgess, by the but way, I think but because yeah. it's Tom Burgess is such a big unit. The impact, the hit was hard, but I don't think the hit was bad. If that makes sense, I think because of the momentum he hit him on the I shoulder. I think there was a hit heart. earlier on in the game. 
on Mulatalo, which was worse. But, you know, it I looked just, bad too. I, it did look bad. It looked bad. It looked it bad. bad. And then Latrell missed three shots at field goal before Nico Hines potted over the winner. The first one he probably should have hit. He well, if time. you look, though, they practiced it throughout the week. They spoke about this after the game. So they cramped Latrell a certain way because he missed to the left each time. Yes. Yeah, so the markers were deliberately running a certain line, okay, basically an inside-out line, inside-out line to cut off the angle. Interesting. Which is really interesting, right? That is actually really good coaching. By it Vince is Gibbon. good coaching. I didn't. I wouldn't have noticed that. So that's actually really good coaching because he missed the first one, though he did have time, and the second one he nearly hit from bloody 40-something metres. That just missed. So. Yeah, but the, but, the, but the line they're running is not directly at him. There's this line they're running to cut off the angle, right? It was a tight game. I don't think it was free float. I love Mulatalo's Mark of the Year try, like he jumped on the guy. Oh, back. how good was that? that was he so got good. he got interviewed after the game. So he good. goes, he was in the air, and then he caught the ball at the top, and then he and he had a moment where he thought to himself, "Shit, Shit how on I the get floor. Down? Yeah, <laughs> he was yeah. high, right? I love him as a winger. I really, I think he's awesome. Again, I thought Tracy played well on the wing, and you know, when Fafita had scored one of his old school Fafita tries and barged over, I thought the Sharks have got this one. And then Totola at the last minute, you know, like you say, scored. Um, but it was very tight. It wasn't free-flowing. It was always like an error or just a missed tackle here or there. The team scrambled. They defended enthusiastically, desperate. And, you know, at the end of the day, it was just a, a miss here or there, a couple of centimetres and golden point, and you, you lose the game. So a very tight game, very even. The Sharks should have kind of kicked on from South, but South defended fairly well to keep them in check, I think. So semi, semi-final football, for sure. Semi-final football again. That's two weeks in a row. The Sharks are getting battle hard. A big win Just by the Sharks because it gives them a, a leg up on that top four position, right? It gives them a little bit of a buffer. Let's hope for Sharks supporters they haven't run their race too early. So next up was the Broncos versus the Tigers. This was at Suncorp Stadium in front of 33,000 fans. Game. The Tigers got this up. This is a good game. This was a good game. Now, it was a really good first half, yes. I thought, 12 all at half time, And it was a very un-West Tigers-like game because often what happens with the West Tigers is once they concede one, they concede many. Yes. And it wasn't like that. They conceded no. and then got back into the grind. You know, so they fought back and it was 12 all at half time. But then in the second half, I thought, particularly in that period just after half time, I thought the Tigers came out of the sheds much better than the Broncos, right? Yeah, yeah. And they got they got a couple of quick tries and they again they got back into the grind and then Adam Dewey iced it at the end. But but the Tigers were good for this win. Absolutely absolutely. I thought um the, the Broncos played them played good football and the Tigers were desperate. Some of their defending was fantastic. They closed the gaps down when they appeared. They really hung in, be desperate whilst they were under the pump, rather than sort of you know, at times during the season they've sort of given up. Because I think they do believe they can win these games now. So, and they kept the score close. And the second half, it all started to come together with some a great line run by one of their back rowers to put, you know, that's Naden Toa. Naden's playing good football. Adam Dwayne, he's direct and he's challenging the line and giving space to his outside oh, players. Oh, Adam Dwayne makes such a difference at 5'8". Such a difference. And that tackle by Carrigan. Yeah, I was going to, what do you think of that? I mean, Jock Madden played really good. For, for a Jock Madden halfback. was superb. Jock Madden was great, but and they've said if Luke Brooks stays, that was the news during the week. Luke, Jock Madden's agents come out and said if he's if Luke Brooks stays, he'll go to another club because he's not getting the opportunities. And he and he was the Australian schoolboy schoolboys halfback. So I actually think, mate, if I was the Bulldogs, that's who I bloody go for. Jock Madden 
is a halfback, the long-term halfback there. Jackson Hastings broke his fibula or something like that as a result of the Patrick Carrigan tackle. Patrick Carrigan's been referred straight to the judiciary, and he should be. That That's the tackle that Fui Maiano did on Hayes Dunster, the hip drop. That yep. tackle needs to be outlawed from the game because the, the attack is vulnerable, and that is literally going after their joints. Even if it's um, accidental? Even if it's accidental, it needs to be because it's something you want to clamp out of the game. Yeah, I'll get you. I agree with you. Yeah, so, so that's my view on it. But I thought I thought they were the better side. I thought the Tigers were the better side. I will say one thing. I will say one thing for 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 Kevy, and I've been a big compliment of of what he's done this season. On his bench, he had Keenan Palacia, who played a grand total of ten minutes. Yeah, some coaches do that with some of these players. I don't understand what it is. Yes and no. Yes and no. Kevy plays his bench less than a lot of other t- teams. Yeah. So he's got a lot of faith in his thirteen. Yeah, he's put a lot of fitness and into his third. You don't think he's got a lot of faith in his bench players? I'm not sure. He's yes, yes. I think they're just short a little bit of depth in Kevin. David size. Moyes, Kevin David. Waters. It's a bit of the David it is, Moyes, where it's like you you run your first thirteen or whatever into the ground. So here's here's the bench minutes. Here's the bench minutes from. Bulldog uh, from the Broncos. Corey Pay, 33 minutes. Kobe Hetherington, 26 minutes. Corey Jensen, 32 minutes. And Keenan Palacia, 10 minutes. That's not much at all. That's got to tie your team out. So that's a bit crazy. Um, it's le- it's less than half a game. I think that's he's got to be careful with that because it's got to cost them in some games when the game goes up a level in intensity and speed. Near the semis, and, so. can, and, and it makes sense, right? That's how Payne Haas ends up playing 72 minutes, 80 minute games, right? They've got to adjust that to give their players a little bit of uh, a respite so they can come back, at least get their breath back. There's a few players, but good win, Tigers. Really good. Let, let's move on to Super Sunday. First up, it was the Knights versus the Bulldogs. I'm so grateful I changed my tip from the Knights to the Bulldogs. I don't know what I was thinking and originally thinking the Knights would be up for this one because you guys came out of the blocks. You guys were running into the wind in the first half and put on three tries and absolutely bloody killed them. You got up 18-0 really, really quickly. 16-0. And then and then Tuala got one back for them and it was 16-16-4. And then Matt Burton got the penalty goal to make it 18-4. So it was right at the death of halftime. So it was a superb first half from the Bulldogs, though. Jacob Karaz ended up with a hat-trick, but he got two in the first half. Aaron Shoup got one. Yeah. It was fast. It was direct. It was great footy in the first half. You guys look like a different team. I couldn't work out whether it was the Bulldogs really good or the Knights really bad. The second half deteriorated. The second half was almost unwatchable. Both teams made a lot of errors, a lot of penalties, a lot of stop-start, a lot of HIAs, that, that type of thing. Um, you did enough to win. Knights don't have any points in them. You were by far the better team. Can I just shout out the Knights fans as well? Despite how badly their team's going, bottom of the ladder, nearly 20,000 people showed up at McDonald Jones. Shout out to the Knights fans. That's actually phenomenal. Honestly, they, they, they deserve a good football team. With their with their loyalty yeah, support, do. yeah, I mean, I was excited. Some of the football they played was fantastic. I think the way the Bulldogs played challenged the Knights' defense. I don't think the Knights have been that great, but I think the Bulldogs really challenged their defense as well. I mean, the the kick by Burton over the top to streaking Ado Carr and then putting um you know Aaron Shoup over, who is actually turning into a good centre. He's defensively a lot better this year. But he's aggressive and he's tough and he's fast enough. I love the combination with Burden and Carr. Burden's, you know, break when he was running the ball and then putting Carr away. You know, and then also the kick from Ado Carr across to Karaz, um, charging in on the at the line. So it's he's aggressive, Karaz, and goes at the ball, which was awesome. That was a good try off broken field. They just played good football. They're keeping the ball alive. They're playing off the offloads now. They're not just offloading for the sake of it. They're looking to actually attack off the offloads. And Burden, Adokar, Burden's running the ball more, which is fantastic. It's it's looking good. It's all working at the moment. It's um 
really, really good sides. And it was good to see Jackson Tapai back in the team and having um, good minutes as a youngster in the back row rather than another back rower that we're buying from somewhere else. So, But the night's disappointing. I thought... You know, they're just not very good at the moment. No, I think I think they need a coaching change. I think this. I think. I think we're getting close, T. I think we're getting close. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the last game of the round. I tipped the Dragons after off the back of the Manly win. It was their back-to-back games at Netstrata at Cogra. I was obviously I was obviously wrong. It was a really really disjointed performance from them. They dropped the ball when they had the line wide open. You know, it was just it was six tries to one. The second half in particular was really poor from the Dragons. The Cowboys just killed them in the end, I thought. The game was close in the first half and if the Dragons had held onto the ball and just stopped making dumb mistakes, every time they're coming out of their own line, they or they're defending the team on their own line, they give away a penalty or a ten, six to go or something like that. Just just some really dumb shit from the Dragons in the first half and but I did think they'd do better. They were so good against Manly, and I just, I just, they, 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 I, they got me right. I thought Talatau Amone, after having a good game against Manly, was invisible in yep. this game for them as well. Blake Laurie is another one that had a really poor, and he, he played less than forty minutes, right? So, I mean, they've got to be getting to a point where they got to start thinking about the coach as well. But you know, the Cowboys, you can tell when the Cowboys are genuine threats to a title is when they can come to Sydney and win. They don't travel well to Sydney, and no. this season they've been travelling. Oh, they've really been well really to good. Sydney. I just think I love the way they play football. I thought the Dragons did try to move the ball around a fair bit, and they either made errors, but I also thought the Cowboys' defence, in total contrast to last year, is enthusiastic. Saints would make half a break down the line, and you've got five or six Cowboys just charging at this person to stop them, and no, not many Saints players in support. They, they had numbers everywhere, and even in attack, and I just thought... Oh God, I love Nanai. He got another double in this game. He's fantastic. He's the he's the new Steve Menzies, the way he just runs lines. He is Steve Menzies. I was going to say that earlier. And he's got he's like, like Steve that hip Menzies. wiggle where he, he runs But he's got, a, he's got a better... At this stage, he's got a better game than Steve Menzies. I think Cody Ramsey or one of the Saints players charged out of the line and he felt it and then just dummied him and then stepped back inside and accelerated off the mark to score. Not a lot of players do that. He plays also, he reacts to the defence as well. He doesn't just run hard and run the line. Like if the line shifts, he moves and steps, you know. So he's very, very hard to mark and he runs great lines on top of that. He runs on the outside and hits the ball at pace. I thought he was great and Scott Drinkwater made that all happen. Like a couple of his plays, he's keeping the ball alive, always being around the ball and keeping the play going. He's so rocks and diamonds, isn't he? He is, but the, he's so, he he's is, so good. He is. He's so good with the ball in hand, and then he does other shit, and you go, oh, my God. You know what? He's got the right coach. Todd Payton lives with that. And what I've also seen with the Cowboys is Todd Payton lets them throw the ball around. Like, if they make mistakes, it sounds like he's okay with that, and it's freed them up, and they play – fuck, they play some good football. And then Valentine Holmes – Towards the end, the try where, like you said, he got the ball, his footwork to cut back inside, and then drink water coming through the middle. There was that was like Jared Hayne life, that stuff. Hey, can I just can I give Todd Payton some credit as well? Not only does he have to overcome the disability of looking like you, of according course, to you, yes, according he, to he, he also according he to fans down, in the street, not just me. He turned down the Warriors, um, and it was the right decision. If you're the Cowboys, you got to sign this guy up quick, smart. Like, don't wait. Oh yeah, and and Dean, if you're the if you're Saints, sign up Dean Young because he's a shitload better than what you got there at the moment in Anthony Griffin. I love Joey Leilua at number ten. I think that's the one thing. Tony Payton's going for skillful, mobile props that can move. So he's he's adjusted to the way the game is. And the best tackle of the day was Jaden Sewer's hair pull on Joey Leilua. 
is that a penalty? I don't know. It's actually a good question. I don't, I don't know don't either. Know. I don't know. It's a good question. If it's I don't your know. jersey hanging out and the same thing happens, it's not. But if it's your hair, it's a penalty. So I don't know. Technically, yeah, it's not. I don't not. know either. But it is part of your body. I don't know. I don't know it's the answer. It's part of your body, but it's morally and ethically probably not the right way to tackle somebody. I don't think that's the strength of the NRL. (laughs) Okay, that brings us to the close of round 20 and 16 games we've done. So let's preview round 21 and get this marathon pod done. By the way, T, just on the Cowboys. Yes. At their best, if if that stuff sticks, they can beat anybody. Honestly. Yeah, they can. They can. But big, another one with big five weeks in front of them. Yeah. All right, let's round 21. First up, it's the Roosters versus the Broncos. Um, the Roosters are $1.71 favourites. The Broncos are $2.15 outsiders, and the Broncos have two and a half point start. This is a good game for a Thursday night. Um, I have. I just think the Roosters have been playing quite well. I'm going to tip the Roosters. If this was earlier in the year, I would have tipped the Broncos. I think the Roosters are coming into too. form, and I'm going to tip the Roosters for sure. I think the Roosters are playing well. I think they'll win this game. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, next up on the on the on Friday night, first up, it's the Storm versus the Titans. The Storm haven't been playing well, but they are a dollar fifteen favourites. They're back in Melbourne against the Titans, who are five dollars fifty outsiders. The Titans have seventeen and a half points start. I think the Storm will win this, even though they're not playing well, because I I think the Titans have put their cue in the rack. And if the coach said that Kieran Foran can't get here quick enough, I think that also says that the team's given up on him. I, I, they weren't good words. I, I Look, I'm going to tip the Storm, but depending on what the team looks like, I think they'll win because it's the Titans as well. But if they're missing a lot of yeah, I don't think it'll be 17 line, and a half. I don't think it'll be 17 and a half, no. Honestly, this is one where I'm not 100% certain about because I'm waiting to see what the Storm team looks like. But the Storm should win with Munster and Hughes. All right. All right. The Friday night game and the match of the round is the ah, yes. Manly Sea Eagles. Yes, the, the prideless Manly the, White no, Eagles no, they're back, versus the yeah, Parramatta Eels. Yes, they are. Manly White Eagles. Uh, against the Parramatta Eels, it's at home for Manly. Manly are eighty favourites, and the Eels are $2 outsiders. The Eels have a one-and-a-half-point start. I don't know which Eels team shows up, but I am tipping my Eels. I don't know. Honestly, mate, this game is hard to pick because the Manly guys could come hard back. Hard to pick this one. And they could be fired hard up because of all one. the And they're going to be motivated, right? They're going to feel like the whole world's Yes, correct. So there's an element of that. Then there's an element of the Eels were really good last week. But then the second half, they switched off, and I have no fucking idea who to pick in this game. I'm probably going to go the Eels, but with no confidence at all, like, really. Yeah. Next up, it's on Super Saturday. It's Souths versus the Warriors. Souths are $1.15 favourites. Warriors are $5.50 outsiders. Um, Warriors have 16.5 points start. You know, far be it for the NRL to give the Warriors a run of home game, so they've got them back in Sydney. <laughs> Souths, will, Souths will win this comfortably for, uh, for mine. South, thanks for spending three years in Australia. How about a trip back for all the Sunshine Coast? Rabbitohs. Ra- come, on, come on, NRL. Okay, next one's a tough one for me. It's the Raiders versus Panthers. It's Ooh. down in Canberra. Um, it's the middle game in Super Saturday. Raiders are $2.05 outsiders. Panthers are $1.77, but are missing Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai. And the Raiders have one and a half points start. I have no idea on this one. No I'm idea. leaning Raiders. I'm leaning Raiders too because I think the Raiders have actually been playing pretty decent football. And Luai and Cleary, massive outs, even though the guys that cut, subbed in played really well last time. That's a hard game to pick, but probably Raiders. I'm leaning towards the Raiders, yeah. I don't know yet, though. All right, next up, it's the Sharks versus the Saints. I'm not leaning in this game. Sharks are $1.31 favourites. Saints are $3.50. No, the um, Sharks Saints have nine and a half one. points. Sharks. Sharks. Dragons, disappointing. Come on, Sharks. 
Yeah, Sharks. All right. This one, I think, is a 50-50 one as well. So the Bulldogs versus Cowboys on the Sunday. Bulldogs are $2.60 outsiders. Cowboys are $1.50 favourites, and the Bulldogs have six and a half points start. I'm tipping I'm gonna the Cowboys. I'm going to tip the Cowboys, but I, th- there could be a boil over. Yes, I'm expecting this to be a good game. The Cowboys will be a little bit too quick through the middle for us, I think. Um, we'll tire out Oof, the back end. I don't know. I think, I think the Bulldogs... Cowboys are a show. They are. I'm looking forward to this game, but Cowboys will win. And and the I think this is the Channel Nine game on Sunday night. Poor Channel Nine. They've got the Tigers, <laughs> the Tigers versus every the Knights. Week. They're rating. I'm tipping the Tigers. They're rated. So am I. A dollar fifty-five favourites. Yeah. Knights are two dollars forty-five outsiders. Knights have four and a half points start. The Knights are diabolical. Tigers. Tigers done. All right, G. That brings us to the close of another pod. We will hopefully resume normal yes. service one of these days. Thank you for joining us, and thank Love you. Love your G. work, T. Talk to you soon. See ya. Bye. Bye.